Hello and welcome to another Wattpad podcast. Today we're talking to David Gogrin, who is quite an expert in the changing world of self-publishing. His book, Let's Get Digital, How to Self-Publish and Why You Should, is a top-rated guide to self-publishing on Amazon. He's also the author of The Historical Adventure, A Storm Hits Valparaiso, which is currently featured on Wattpad. Hi, David. Hi, Pam. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you doing today? Excellent, actually. I just came back from a, a writing conference in New York, and people were full of questions about self-publishing and, and Wattpad as well, actually. Amazing. Oh, what were the most interesting questions that you got? Uh, well, people were just, just trying to find out more about self-publishing and how to get their work out there. I think some of them are getting tired of sending stuff off to agents and publishers and, and not getting any response whatsoever. So people are getting more and more curious about, about different ways to put their to put their work out there and, and how to find readers, which is a big challenge, I suppose. You seem to be very immersed in the changes that's happening in self-publishing right now. Has it changed in the past 10 years? Sure, yeah. It, 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 it's changed uh, hugely. Um, just a couple of years ago, self-publishing uh, would have been a kind of a strange decision for an author to make because um, not too many people were reading ebooks and publishers kind of had a stranglehold on bookstores. If you were self-published, you, you, it was really, really difficult to get your book in stores. So you had no real way of selling to readers. So if you were going to self-publish, a, lo- a lot of people would have would have thought that was quite strange. And of course, now it, it, it's all changed with, with e-books. Um, just by uploading to a few different stores, you've pretty much got 100% of the market covered. And you don't necessarily need a publisher anymore uh, to reach readers and to build an audience and, and to make money from it. And what do you think is the catalyst for this change that's going on in publishing right now? Is it the popularity of e-reading and e-books in general? Well, it's a combination of things. Um, the rise of Amazon and, uh, of course, the widespread availability of the Internet and the popularity of e-books. And, and the combination of those three factors um, has meant a complete, a complete revolution. Uh, because before, uh, a writer would finish a book and then he'd hand it off to his agent and then the agent would try and sell it to an editor in a publishing house. And if they were successful, then it would go through the distributor and then to the bookseller and then eventually to the reader, like a couple of years later, you know? Mm-hmm. And because of, and because all those people in the middle were, were doing an important job at the time, they all had to be paid for it too. So you were left with a situation where the writer often got the smallest cut um, out of everybody. But now, you know, you, you, you don't need any of those people. You only need the writer and the reader. So you can, you can sell directly off your website. And what it means is all these people in the middle have to make a really strong case to writers why they deserve a percentage of, of, the, of the share of the sales of the book. So in my opinion, at least, the only people really making a convincing case at the moment are the retailers like, like Amazon. And... You know, I, I give them 30% of the of the price of the book. I get to keep 70%. And to me, that's a pretty fair deal. You know, they have a pretty sophisticated system there where I can sell books to readers all over the world. Um, but I, I, I don't see why I should give over 50% of the price to, to a publisher. I, I can't really see what they can do for me anymore. And especially nowadays where it's a lot easier for writers to find readers and vice versa, I guess it's really tempting to cut the middlemen out and just reach out directly to people who are willing to buy your stories or your books. Well, yeah, and especially when, when a lot of the middlemen aren't, aren't doing very much for writers, you know. Um, it's all very well if you're someone like Amanda Hawking and you're, you receive a huge advance from your publisher and you know because they spent all that money acquiring the books from her that they're going to do the full court press and she's going to be in every newspaper getting interviewed. She's going to do a nationwide book tour and 
And in every bookstore, you, you go into across America and Canada, you're going to see our books piled high everywhere, every direction you look. But the amateur author doesn't get that treatment. The amateur mm-hmm. author might get a $5,000 advance, might get into a few of their local stores. Uh, but that's it. The publisher doesn't really do anything else other than send a few free copies to reviewers and include them in the catalog. And the burden of, of actually reaching readers and marketing the book falls on the writer anyway. So a lot of writers today are asking themselves, if I have to do all the work, well, I might as well publish it myself. Well, that makes sense. Well, what about um, the argument that some critics make about how traditional publishers are still serving as gatekeepers um, and keeping, you know, making sure that readers have access to really good quality books? Well, you only have, you only have to look at some of the books that uh, publishers publish <laughs> uh, to make nonsense of that argument. You know, like publishers aren't, aren't charities and they're not the guardians of our literary heritage, even though they might like to believe that. They're businesses, and they will publish. They will publish books that they think will sell. And mm-hmm. quality only comes into it uh, to the extent that a well-written book tends to sell better than a poorly written one. But they've no problem publishing some ghost-written memoir from a celebrity, which has zero literary value, if they think they'll make money out of it. Can you tell us a little bit more about surviving as a writer in this digital age? What are some key takeaway tips for aspiring writers? Well, I'd say get out there and get involved uh, in social media. I think that's that's pretty important, you know. Um, like people get a little bit scared about opening a Twitter account and getting active on Facebook, and there's this idea that self promotion is going to take up all your time. It really doesn't. Um, all all that social media is there for is it, it's a tool for connecting with people. And you know, if if you go onto it with a megaphone and just start screaming out messages saying "Buy my book," it just you know, you just got to turn people off, and then it doesn't work anyway. The best thing to do is to use social media what, uh, for what it was intended for, which is connecting with people. So if you just go on to Twitter and Facebook and all these other places and, and just start having conversations with people, you'll get much better results, and you'll enjoy it a lot more too. Yeah, and obviously you've been getting a lot of results from being very active in social media. You're well known by a lot of self-published and professional writers, as we've seen by all the attention that your blog posts get at uh, davidgogren.wordpress.com. And we saw that you often talk about writing and the book business. So how do you stay on top of these new trends and how did you become you know, the go-to person for people to find out about new things that they should try or what's going on in self-publishing? Well, I started blogging in, I think it was April last year. Just last year? I think, yeah, just last year. And I think, I think maybe four or five people read my, read my first blog post. And I, I just decided to start because, um, back, back then there was, there was a lot of arguments in between writers about whether self-publishing was really the way to go. And some people were saying it's okay if you've got a load of books already or if you've come from a traditional publishing background and you already have lots of readers, but new writers, who don't have any of that would really struggle. So I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll put my, myself forward as a, as a kind of guinea pig. And so I just started blogging each step of the way, all the steps involved in self-publishing and, and my efforts to try and try and get readers to read my stuff. And I don't know, people, people just really responded to that. And the, the blog grew very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. And within a few months, I think I was, I was getting like 30 or 40,000 views a month, which is, which is kind of crazy. Um, I, I think part of the, if, if I can guess, I think part of the attraction for people reading it was that I was blogging about all the mistakes I was making along the way as well. And, and, and so you've learning learn from that. that. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I think, I think for a writer starting out, I think a good thing to do is to start to plug yourself 
into the community. Like self publishers are very, very open. They they will always share any any information they've learned. They will they will share tips on editors and cover designers and and what marketing worked for them and what didn't. No one kind of keeps their secrets close to their chest. Everyone, it's a very open community. So I think new writers should try and get plugged into that community as soon as possible. Obviously, there's quite a few self-publishers on Wattpad, and uh, Kindleboards.com is another another good site where a lot of self-publishers hang out and, and trade ideas. And yeah, I just I, I I try to get plugged into the community as soon as possible. And when you know, there's there's a lot of other great blogs out there, and, and read 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 as many of them as possible. And you can learn the ropes quite quickly just by doing that. Yeah, and of course, like you said, you've been experimenting with a lot of new platforms available for writers and readers out there, like Wattpad. Um, what were your expectations when you first joined Wattpad? Well, I, I, I saw the profile of, of, of the users uh, using the site, and the, the demographic is, is at the younger end of the spectrum. And I noticed from from my own sales and my own marketing efforts that, that my readers tend to be at the other end of the spectrum. So. For me, it was a great opportunity to try and connect with younger readers because my own marketing efforts seemed to kind of miss them out somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it, it was, I knew it would be a great opportunity to, to get my work out there and, and get it read. That's what all, all writers want at the end of the day. And have you been able to find any success? How has your perception of sharing your work for free changed now that you've been on the Wattpad for a while? Well, I think, you know, among writers, there's a little bit of concern about sharing your work for free. You're worried. Uh, writers worry that it'll affect their paid sales, that, you know, someone might read something for free and, and, and then they won't buy it or they won't buy one of the other books. But uh, writers really need to embrace free because at this stage, uh, almost a year and a half self-publishing, I've pretty much tried a bit of everything in terms of marketing and promotion. And by far the most effective tool that I've used, by far, is, is free. I've used it in a variety of ways. Um, when I released Let's Get Digital, I put the PDF of the entire book up for free on, on my blog. Mm-hmm. And a lot, of my, a lot of my readers thought that it wasn't going to sell because it was available for free. But what I found was, just judging by the emails that I got from people that had read it, uh, at least half the people that bought the book downloaded the free version first and then either bought the paid version as a thank you or as a, maybe a keepsake or they bought it for another friend as a gift. And uh, with WhatsApp, it's been pretty much the same thing. And like writers have to realize that the biggest threat to them, uh, to all of us, is, is obscurity. You know, there's, there's 8 billion people on this planet and there's so many books being published all the time. But if you can find any way whatsoever to get your name out there, to, to start connecting with readers, you, you should embrace it. Yeah, and how do you personally find good content to read when there are so many ebooks out there to choose from? Well, you know what? Um, I, I get asked that question a lot, and I have actually had the opposite problem. Uh, I never have enough time to read all the great books that I want to read. Like I think oh. there, there's almost a hundred books in my Kindle now that that uh, I have to find time, time at some point to, to get around to reading them. And um, <laughs> I think you know there's there's kind of a misconception out there that there's so many ebooks that no one will be able to find yours. And, no one will be able to find anything great. But even before ebooks came along, there were six million print books on Amazon. You know, so there's actually less ebooks on Amazon than there are print books. And readers never have trouble finding anything good to read because one thing human beings like doing is sharing information. And with the digital era now, with Twitter and Facebook and everything else, there are so many more tools uh, for readers to share things they find exciting. So yeah, I don't I, I don't struggle to find anything good to read. 
Well, let's get back to your writing. You've got a pretty international writing background, being an Irish writer, right? Who lives? Do you still live in Sweden right now? I actually, I, I moved just at the at, at the end of April. I moved to London. Okay, now you're in London, and you have yeah. a historical novel um, set in South America called "The Storm Hits Valparaiso." So, how has your immersion in different cultures affected the way that you write? Oh, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Um, well, in, in in a mechanical sense, it, it definitely affected it because when I was when I was writing that book, I was actually in South America, and I was I was moving around quite a bit. So. I, I definitely learned to be able to, to write in a noisy room, like a bar or a cafe or a restaurant or, or sometimes in the back of a long distance bus. So, so now I, I always have a pen and paper with me and if I ever get a minute or two, I always try and, try and jot down something. And um, so yeah, that's, that's definitely a positive because I know some writers, they need to be at their desk and they need to have absolute silence and, and all that. So I think being able to kind of write anywhere is definitely a bonus. Um, but it's also affected kind of the, topics I write about, I think, because I've moved around so much now in the last 10 years, I think that's kind of reflected in the in the things I write about. Like, um, uh, I released a short story with stuff on Wattpad as well called If You Go Into the Woods, and it's actually two stories, and one is set in the Czech Republic and the other one is set in Sweden, and the other one I have up there, Transfection, is set in North America, and then, of course, The Storm of Valparaiso is set in South America. So yeah, I, I, and the next couple of books I have planned are all in different places as well. So yeah, it's definitely it's definitely had an influence. Yeah, and considering that you write all your stories in English, but they're all set in different you know locations all over the world. Do you have any numbers on like how many of your of your readers are from North America or English speaking countries in Europe, or how many of them are more international? Well, I would love to have those numbers, but uh, unfortunately Amazon doesn't give out too yeah. much data. Um, all I can tell you is that about maybe 80% of my sales are Amazon US, but of course the Amazon US store serves half the world, you know? Exactly. So it, it, it's hard to get a breakdown. But I'd say roughly maybe 65% are Canada, USA, and then the rest is the rest of the world. But uh, that's probably kind of influenced by the fact that the digital revolution is far more advanced in in North America than it would be even in Europe and, and certainly anywhere else in the world. Yeah, but so it's certainly kind of, spreading. And yeah, I'm sure, yeah, pretty soon everyone all over the world will be into e-reading. Um, oh, without a doubt. Yeah, and so a lot of people have been saying that digital publishing is probably just a fad and, you know, it's not going to last. But what do you think? Is e-reading and digital publishing the real future of literary entertainment? Well, I... I, I really struggle to see how how it's any kind of fact. You know, we mm-hmm. we have ten, ten, tens of millions of people who have bought e-readers, and the same number again who have bought tablets who are enjoying reading books now in digital format. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know of anyone that bought a bought a Kindle or, or or a Kobo or a Sony reader or whatever, and has continued to buy print books in the same numbers. Um, I know myself. I I got my first Kindle at Christmas, and I haven't bought a print book since. I'm still reading a few print books just because I have still a few left on my shelf, but mm-hmm. I haven't bought in in nine months. And I, I think most people are the same. So, yeah, I can't see how people are going to suddenly go back to, to paper books. Yeah, I find that a lot of people who have discovered the joy of e-reading, they tend to buy books, sort of like their favorite books as keepsakes. 
But oh, for yeah. the most part, they buy, they read books digitally now just because it's a lot easier and it's not going to take up space or clutter, especially if you end up not even liking the book that much. No, I, I think I think we can look at music here for a pretty clear indication of what's going to happen. Like, um, vinyl records still exist. You know, there's yeah. still vinyl record stores and they're doing okay, but they're mostly for 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 stuff or for, yeah. for collectors. You know, yeah. and people will buy keepsakes, but it's not going to be like it's not going to be the same volume. I I, I can see people taking over 80, 90 percent of the market. Nothing, nothing really short of that. So now, with your experience with ebooks and publishing your own books, how important do you think are book covers and story blurbs in getting readers to check out your ebook? In one of your more recent blog posts, you talk about how George Berger found success as a digital writer by playing around with his book cover and story blurb, right? Yeah, well, it, it, it's funny when when ebooks first started taking off, I think a lot of the graphic designers and cover designers were a little bit worried because. Um, often an ebook cover is viewed in, in a tiny thumbnail and they were thinking that, um, you know, good design wouldn't be so important anymore. Well, it's actually the opposite. I think cover design is even more important for an ebook than it was for a print book. Because if you think of the way that people find something to read, let's say they're searching on Amazon or searching on Wattpad, often on their screen they'll have a list of 10 or 12 book covers and that book cover really, really has to jump out because you're, you're fighting against those other ones. And it has to be very cleverly designed uh, to catch the attention of a reader and tell them exactly what what kind of book it is in that mm-hmm. tiny little space. So I, I think cover design is even more important, and 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 the blurb as well because you know if you look at the layout of a page on on Amazon or Wattpad or Barnes and Noble, the blurb is right there beside the cover. You don't have to flip the book over anymore, and the blurb really really has to sell the book. Um, so yeah, blurbs are crucial, and cover design is really crucial. Yeah, that's what we're finding on Wattpad as well. It tends to be, you know, the stories with the most professional-looking covers that attracts attention easily because people associate that good cover with something that might be good quality because time was put into it and effort. Yeah, you could have you could have the best story in the world, but if you don't have a an enticing cover that makes someone want to click, they're they're never going to find it. They'll never get a chance to sample your work. So. It's really, really important to have a professional attitude. And like the cover basically is like the face your book presents to the world. And, and you really want to give a good first impression to the reader because a professional cover is a subtle cue to the reader that you've taken enough care with the inside of the book. Yeah, exactly. And so what's next on your plate, David? Do you have any upcoming projects that you can share with us today? Oh, lots. Um, I have another historical novel which will be coming out in the next month or two called Bananas for Christmas. Interesting. That one, is, yeah, uh, that one is set in New Orleans and Honduras just at the start of the 20th century. And it's about uh, an American railroad engineer who goes off to to fight in the various wars that took place in Central America at the start of start of the 20th century. And that was a huge amount of fun to write. Um, at the same time, I'm actually writing two things at the same time, which you're not supposed to do, but it just it just kind of happens. <laughs> um, I, I have another story called Super Tramp, which that won't be a full-length book. It'll probably be a novella. And... That's kind of a, a twisted, near-future version of Big Brother, um, which has got a big kind of comic streak running through it. And I'm looking forward to releasing that one as well. That sounds really interesting. How much research do you do um, before you write your novels? It sounds like a lot of work, like finding the details for these historical novels. Yeah, historical fiction is, is a huge amount of work, you know, because... And um, the readers are great. They're really, really, really passionate. Um, but if you make any, any mistakes, and um, they have very little, very little tolerance for, for any kind of historical errors whatsoever. <laughs> I can understand that. 
you know, because anything that kind of jerks you out of the story and makes you go, oh, oh what, what the hell is that? You know, that, that kind of breaks the spell of the book. So you have to really, really try and, and get as much accurate as possible. Um, and I think that's why I kind of write historical fiction and science fiction, because science fiction requires a lot less research. And usually when I'm finished, like a big, long historical novel, uh, I often like to do, write a little science fiction short story to kind of clear the brain out a little bit and just, just write with any, any constraints whatsoever. Because you, you're just inventing the future. You don't have to, it doesn't have to match up to any history book. Yeah, that's true. Is there anything else that you'd like to tell your readers and fans today? Uh, well, thank, thank you to all of them for, for reading and for voting. And, um, you know, especially for, for independent authors, it's, 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 it's really important that, uh, their readers try and support them in whatever way they can. And that doesn't mean buying a book, you know, not everyone has the money to, to, to buy books every few days. But, uh, one way that you can repay the authors of the books you like is just by sharing with your friends that you, you enjoy the book. And that's really, really crucial. Yeah, that, of course, that makes a lot of sense. Well, thank you so much, David, for joining us today for our podcast. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you got to share with us today your thoughts and, you know, your expertise on self-publishing today because it's definitely a very, very revolutionary time right now in publishing and in writing. And we'll just have to wait and see, I guess, what happens five or ten years from now. Well, it, it, it's very exciting. And you know what? It, it, there's never been a better time to be a writer. You really think so? Yeah, I genuinely think so. Genuinely. All right. Well, thank you. And to our listeners, thank you again for listening, and we'll see you again next time.